we would like to welcome you to our weekly broadcast of Harvest Worship Center's Sunday morning celebration service. We hope and pray that you will receive something from the Lord today. And we ask you to stay tuned at the end of the message for more information concerning our church. Again, thank you for joining us today. For the next few moments, roadblocks to your miracle. Roadblocks to your miracle. What? is standing in the way between you and a breakthrough? What is standing in the way between you and a miracle in your life, a miracle in your family, a miracle in your children, a miracle in your finances, your health, um, whatever it may be, your relationships? What is standing in the way of a miracle in your life? Um, And I just want us to kind of dive into a story today that's very familiar, and that's found in John 11, and this is the story of Lazarus being raised from the dead. But we're going to be looking at it, hopefully, in a light that will help us to realize we can uh, literally uh, put up roadblocks or we can put up things, barriers, to keep us from seeing a move of God. Experiencing the supernatural uh, for our lives is something that I don't want us to miss. Um, The supernatural, you say, scares me. But the moment if you got saved, if you are saved, the moment you ask Jesus into your life, you took a step from the natural to the supernatural. You, you took a step in believing something that, that literally was greater than, uh, than your logic or greater than the things of this world. I want to talk to you today about uh, what is challenging or stopping your miracle from happening in your life. I'd like to suggest today, based on the Word of God, that a lot of us haven't seen God move because we are delaying His move because we are literally, uh, it's the circumstances or the situation Situation we're looking at in the wrong light. We're looking at it in the natural light instead of the, 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 the supernatural. God has natural laws that he has placed on in, in, in the universe that are immovable laws. And you learn this if you go to seminary. You'll get there if you're in seminary. But you'll talk, God will talk about those uh, immovable laws that God has placed. Like uh, gravity is a law that God put in place. If you throw something in the air, it's going to come down. Amen. Uh, if, if that is a, a, a law that God put in place. When a miracle happens, God transcends our steps around the laws that are in place. In other words, God is able, because he made the laws, to act beyond those laws. In other words, uh, uh, it, it, when, when something is fixed, something is uh, 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 in our lives that we say cannot be done or cannot happen, it, it's just impossible for that to happen in my life, God steps around that law. And we're going to talk about that today. The law of death is what we're going to talk about. Death had laid its claim on Lazarus. Lazarus was in the tomb. Lazarus was uh, a history, as we would say it. He was now gone, and God was about to show uh, uh, Mary and Martha that the law of death had no hold when he stepped in. And I want you to know, no matter what impossible situation you're looking at today, Today, God does not look at that situation the way you look at that situation. God says, you go ahead and you try to explain to me why it can't happen and I'll sit back and wait for you to begin to believe that it can and I'll show you. 
and I'll show you. And so I'm going to talk to you about that a little bit today. The natural laws are seen, therefore you can draw your own conclusions. The sun rises, the sun sets. But we read where God said to the sun, stand still, and it stood still in the sky for about a day, the Bible says. What are you saying? God can stop the sun itself if he needs to. God wrote the laws he can do whatever he wants to do. But yet we look at our need for a miracle in our life as limited. And we limit God by those natural, the natural logic that we have in our minds. So when we talk about miracles, it is when God overrules the natural laws in order to do the supernatural. In other words, God steps over his own law in order for the natural to become supernatural. In other words, he steps around the law of death so that Lazarus can come out of the grave. And we're going to get that to that in just a little bit. So that, can, that he can accomplish something that, we'll, that we cannot do or the, uh, that we cannot accomplish on our own or no one else can accomplish on our own. That is the definition of a miracle. In other words, God doing that which we cannot accomplish without him. When you got saved, you stepped into this world. When you gave your heart to Jesus, you walked into this world. As a matter of fact, when you begin to seek him for deeper things, in your life, you begin to step away from the natural to the supernatural. The laws are subject to be changed when God has a need to do a miracle. Our text today is about a miracle that many of us are familiar with, and it is the story of the resurrection of a man named Lazarus. Throughout all of Jesus' ministry, this is probably one of the greatest of all the miracles that we would see performed on the earth. Why? Because he would show that he was, uh, was enabled to overstep the law of death to bring life where nothing should come forth. That is because the grave could not hold back the will of God to perform this miracle. Now, let's kind of, I'm going to summarize part of chapter 11 to say time, and then we're going to break it down to just a few verses that we're going to focus on. But we know that, La that Lazarus was a friend of Jesus. He was close to Jesus. Jesus spent time in the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus, and, and, and so this was a place that he would go as a retreat. As a matter of fact, Mary was that Mary that came in and broke the costly ointment on Jesus' head and, 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 and cried and, and washed his feet with, with, her hair, with, with her tears and dried it with her hair. So there was a connection there between Jesus and this family. And so now Jesus is a, a, a little ways away and he gets word from the sisters saying, you need to come. The one that you love, Lazarus, is sick. In other words, they knew that Jesus could heal. They had seen Jesus heal. They had witnessed the miracles of Jesus. And they said, now we need a miracle. Have you ever called on the name of the Lord? Have you ever prayed and said, Lord, I need a miracle, but it seems like no miracle came? That the Lord was kind of delaying, or the Lord was kind of dragging his feet. It must have appeared this way to these sisters. The Bible says in verse 5, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two more days longer than he had planned. In other words, he delayed his coming to Bethany. Then after this, he said to his disciples, Let's go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, 
alive. The Jews were, were just now seeking to stone you, and you are going there again. And Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in a day? If, if anyone walks in the day, uh, he, wa- he will not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, and I, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said, Lord, if he is fallen asleep, then he will recover. In other words, he's sick, he needs his rest, then that's a good thing. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they had thought that he meant that he was taking rest. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Lazarus has died, and I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to, to wake him up, is what he was saying. The disciples were using human logic. They were saying, look, it is not logical for you to return to this area because they sought to kill you. It is not a logical thing to walk into a place that has just been in a riot over you and tried to take your life and now you're saying you want to go back there. After some debate among themselves, they realized that Jesus was determined to do what Jesus uh, was going to do, so they set off uh, to go to this area called Bethany so that Jesus could show them his glory. Now, before he gets there, the Bible says uh, uh, around uh, verses 20 through through, uh, 28 that he encounters uh, Martha. Martha gets up immediately when she hears that Jesus is coming, and she runs to meet him before he ever arrives to the town. And when she gets there, she looks at him, and she has an exchange with him and says, if you had showed up when we prayed, and I'm paraphrasing for time, if you'd have just showed up when I wanted you to show up when we first asked you to show up, then, then Lazarus would not be dead, but he's dead now. He's in the grave now. He, he's been dead for four days. Where were you when we needed you? I don't know who I'm talking to today, but all of us have been in that place where we have called on the Lord and we felt like he wasn't there. We've called on his help, but he didn't show up when we thought he should show up. And she was a desperate woman saying, where were you when we needed you? And he says, your brother will live again. And she looks at him and says, I know in the resurrection on the last day he'll live again. And Jesus makes a phrase that made every demon tremble in hell at that day. In verse 25, Jesus looks at her and says, I am the resurrection. I am the lawbreaker. I will break the law of death if I have to because who is standing before you is the framer of the world the creator of all things we've got to get a big view of who we're serving church if we want to see God do big things we have a small view we got to get a bigger view a larger picture of the God we're calling on he said I am the resurrection and she says yes Lord I believe that you are the Christ the son of God who has come to this world well, after this, we get into uh, a, a, another exchange, and we get the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. And I, I have my opinion of that. I think Jesus wept not because Lazarus was dead. Why would he weep over somebody? If he was weeping over Lazarus' death, it's because he's fixing to make him come back from where he was. But I don't think he was weeping over Lazarus. I think he was weeping over the fact of a generation that didn't believe. A generation that had no faith to see beyond where they were. And that's where we're going to kind of jump in today. And I want to read these verses and then we're going to break them down. And I'm going to share with you some, some points I think you need to hear. Verse, chapter 11, verses 38 through 45, read is this. And Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. He said, where is he? Take me there. 
It was a cave and a stone laid against it, the Bible says. And Jesus said, said take the stone away. And Martha, said, uh, Martha uh, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor. For he, I like the King James in that, don't you? It says stinketh. That's a nice word. By, <laughs> by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And they took away the stone, and they lifted up the, and he lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I knew, I knew that you, will, you always hear me, but I said this on the account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And the man who had died came out, his hands and his feet bound with linen stri uh, strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, Un unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who, came, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed on him. And we're going to break these verses down today. I shared all the story to get you to this point. Now, the first point I'm going to share with you that I think you need to understand that, that because we can put roadblocks to our miracle. One of those roadblocks can be you cannot see the miracle you need with human thinking and reasoning. Human logic will never let you see miracles. Human thinking will never bring you to a place of belief in, in him. You must understand his ways are not our ways. Deuteronomy 29, 29 declares that he, there is a hidden will of God. In other words, there's a hidden will of God. God, God reveals his will, but then there is, there is, you know, there's visible will that we see. It is his will that none perish, but all should come to eternal life. That is not hidden. That is real. That is out there. But you realize there's a hidden will according to Deuteronomy 29.29. You cannot see the hidden things until you are willing to do uh, the visible command. I want you to get that down. You can't see the hidden thing that God wants to reveal till you do what's visibly commanded. There was a command given in this, this, this passage of Scripture, and it was simply this. Take the stone away. Take the stone away. Verse, verse 30, 39. Take it away. And the very thing that comes to mind, first of all, is we don't need to bother that stone because he's been dead for four days and he stinks by now. He smells by now. There's an odor there now. Logic took over in her mind and she said, logically, we don't need to mess with the grave. Logically, we don't need to touch this situation because it's finished. It's over. As a matter of fact, it's stinking by now. There are some of us that we've given up on some situations we've been been praying for a miracle and we've allowed our logic to become a roadblock to our miracle don't touch the stone God because there's no use now you should have showed up when I first asked and God is saying uh, if you'll do the visible command it will release the hidden miracle Whew. oh God help me get this across today you cannot see hidden things until you're willing to do what is visible Take away the stone, but Martha's human reasoning kicked in, just like yours would have, and mine, and ours still does. Our human reasoning kicks in. Take away the stone. Jesus told her to remove the stone. This is a command that requires action. 
In other words, this isn't something she can just ponder. This isn't something she just needs to think about. This is something that requires action on her part. She's got to do what God asks in order for God to do the miracle. There can't be a miracle till the stone, the roadblock, is removed from the miracle. He's saying, look, there's something you need to do in order for me to do what I need to do. I think Jim preached on it last week. you got to march around the walls if you want to see them fall. If they had if they had not followed the visible command, they would have never seen the hidden miracle that God was about to reveal. I'm telling you today, God is ready to unleash his miracles in this church. He's ready to unleash his miracles in this community. But how many times has he told you, get up and go pray for that person? And you're like, I don't want to disturb them. I don't want to bother them. They'll think I'm crazy. They'll think I'm nuts. Or somebody looks at you in Walmart and says, I need you to keep me in your prayers. And you're like, okay, I'll be praying for you. And you go and buy your loaf of bread and your gallon of milk. And they're out of your mind because they're out of your sight. What would happen if right then and right there, let's pray now. Oh, I'm afraid people might think we're foolish. Go ahead. Call me foolish, but I might be healed. Oh, my goodness. How many miracles do not happen because we're unwilling to do the visible command? The visible command. Amen. And it becomes a roadblock to my victory. Some of us can't get our situations right with God because we got a roadblock about the altar. We've been hammering that for over a year now. That we think the altar is just for wicked people. Or we think the altar is just for people who are messed up or have messed up. Well, I'm going to solve it for everybody in this room, including the one preaching. Everybody in this room is messed up. Amen. Look at somebody and say, you messed up. Amen. You messed up. Everybody in this room is messed up. Get that stigma out of our minds. How many times do we come to church needing a breakthrough, needing a miracle, but because of our pride or because we're unwilling or we're afraid somebody might assume something that we've done? Well, if I go to the altar, they'll think I was doing this last night. Who cares what they think? If I leave with the miracle that I need, I don't care what you think. But we put that stone and we leave that stone in place. We don't see our miracle Miracles often have a command that is visibly attached to them. Now, not all the time. There were some miracles that didn't have a command attached to them where people acted out of faith. The woman with the issue of blood, she just acted out of faith. Okay? But there are countless miracles where God looks and he says, okay, you want to see me do this? You go do that. You want to see my hand move? Then you got to do that. Look, you can't, guess what? You can want to be saved all you want, but unless you pray a prayer of repentance, you'll never be saved. Want does not save your soul. It don't. I don't want to go to hell. Well, big deal. Then do something about it. That's what God would say. I, I took care of it on the cross, but you have to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. It takes action. Action. We must become a people of action in order to see miracles. Often these commands violate our human thinking or our way of comprehension. I'll go back to the very first sermon in the series. Naaman had trouble with the command. Go wash seven times in the River Jordan. He had trouble with the command. And because he had trouble with the command, he wrestled whether he would do it or not. And if he hadn't have done it, there would have been no cleansing of his leprosy. 
How many times has God spoke to us, but we didn't follow through? Number two, seeing, seeing is believing is a statement that will kill your faith. Seeing is believing will kill your faith. Now, some of y'all already ready celebrating Christmas. Shame on you. I got friends listening to Christmas music. I'm praying for their souls. I'm just kidding. A lot of people just love Christmas. One of my favorite Christmas movies is the Polar Express. But one of the lines that is in that movie that everybody loves is seeing is believing. That doesn't hold up theologically when it comes. Might, might hold up to Santa Claus, but it don't hold up to Jesus and his miracles. But yet we apply the principle of seeing to our belief. When the Bible says, for eye hath not seen, ear is not heard, neither is entered into the heart of man the good things the Lord has prepared for them that love him. Your eyes haven't seen what I got for you. That's what God's saying. Your ears have not even heard the goodness and the, and the blessing I want to speak into your life. You have no idea. You have not yet comprehended the depth of what I can do yet. You don't, you're waiting to see it and then you're going to believe it. That's what he's saying. You're waiting to see. When I see it, then I can believe it. Seeing and the idea of seeing to believe will kill your faith. It will destroy your faith. In, in verse 40, he says to her, Did I not tell you if you did what? Believed you would see the glory of God. In other words, he flips the script and he says, Your logic says, show me and then I'll believe. And God says, believe and I'll show you. Believe and I'll do it. Believe and I'll come through. Believe me first and then I'll show you because there's no faith if I show you and then you believe. Faith comes when you believe in that which is impossible and then you see God do it. Oh my goodness. Give me a sign <laughs> was what the... The Pharisees said, show us a sign. And he said, there's no sign given to you except the sign of Jonah, which was the sign of judgment. There's no sign. They wanted miracles. They wanted him to do magic tricks to prove who he was. I've got news for you. Faith is what will enact the miracles of God, not your sight, not seeing it. In other words, there's a lot of people I know that are living their life based on what they see, and they're living a very faithless walk. A very faithless walk. It is not seeing and believing. It is believing to see. Hebrews 11.1 1 says this, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Or you may be familiar with another translation which says, For faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But I like that word conviction. Conviction. Conviction means it's deeper than assurance. It's deeper. 
I'm looking and it's something deeper in me that my faith says when everything else says that God can't do it, I I have a conviction of the Holy Spirit that says he's going to come through somehow, some way. When everybody else is saying that person's never going to get right with Jesus, I have a conviction that God is not through yet. When everybody says they're a lost case and they're a lost cause, then there's a conviction of the word that is enacting in me that says there's something deeper at work here than what my eyes have seen. When when somebody says the, the doctor's pronounced gloom and doom and there's no way that situation can turn around. Conviction. I have a conviction in my heart that says God writes the end of the story. Not the prognosis. Number three. You're going to need some help for the miracle to come to pass at times. Look at somebody saying, I'm going to need your help. I've never caught this until this time getting ready for this sermon, but verse, verse 41, the very first part says, everybody, everybody do this with me. Say, so they took away the stone. Let's do it again. So they took away the stone. Mary and Martha were having some doubts. And so they, oh my goodness, who's they? Somewhere along the line, this is where I got an issue with people that say they don't need community and they don't need church. Somewhere along the the line, your faith is going to need some help. Somewhere along the line, your faith is going to need a little nudge by somebody else. When, somewhere along the line, somebody's going to, I don't know about you, maybe I'll just preach about me today, but there have been times in my life when I've been up against things where I had to believe and my belief ran out, my faith ran out, but somebody came alongside me and said, you know what, I'll move the stone. I'll push it out of the way because God has a miracle he's about to perform. You need to be looking for some stones to push out of the way. You need to be looking for something you can lay your hands on. Oh, my goodness. See, that brings me back to James when he says, if there are any sick among you, let them call upon the elders of the church. Let them anoint them with oil, laying their hands upon them. What do we say? Let's lay our hands on some stones in this church and let's see God's resurrection power come in and take over. I don't know about you, but I want to see God speak some life into some dead, stinking situations. Lifeless situations. You've got to be looking for a stone to push. So they took away the stone. Mary and Martha needed some help in order to see their miracle. They couldn't do it on their own. The stone was too heavy. The stone was probably sealed. They needed somebody. They needed a lot of somebodies to help them. That's why you've got to have ladies you need fearless on, on, on Monday nights. Every first and third Monday night. You need fearless to help you push some stones away. Men, you need man cave. So you got some brothers to help you push some stones away. We got some people facing some situations where all it looks like is there is death behind those, the stones. So just leave it there. It's an end. It's over. It's a dead situation. But I'm here to tell you, I don't know about you, but is there anybody in this room that'll help me push some stones? If that's you, jump to your feet and praise God and say, that's me. I want to push some stones out of the way. You can be seated. I don't believe it's by chance that God allowed this story to include this fact that they had to help in order to see the miracle. 
Yes, Jesus could have miraculously pushed the stone away with the Holy Spirit. But he was showing in this, this illustration that sometimes to get to your miracle, you're going to have to have somebody else believe. You're going to have to join together with other people to see it happen. There is no person in this room that can see God move and be isolated from everyone. You're going to have to have some help at times. You can't isolate yourself from the help of God and place and be disconnected and expect to see the miraculous in your life or in your family's life. You need connection and you should seek connection because connection could be the key to your miracle. Amen. That's good preaching. I thought so. 41b, the second part of this verse says, And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Another point I want to bring out here, this is past, you heard me. He didn't say you're hearing me. He said, I thank you, Father, that you have heard me. So what does this let you know? Oh, my goodness, I'm going to preach whether you like it or not. I've, I've, I've had vacation. I'm ready to go. How about you? Let me tell you something. When your situation was first happening, Jesus already was having a conversation with the Father before you ever uttered your first prayer. Mm. He was already having a conversation. Why? I don't believe that, Pastor. Then you just throw out Romans 8.34, which says simply this, that he who is, who is to condemn, Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. He had a conversation when Mary first sent and Martha first sent the request and said, come, Lazarus is sick. God is God the Father and God the Son had already talked over and said, you know what, Son, don't go yet. Delay. Because I don't have the healing of Lazarus in mind. I have a resurrection in mind. You see, God was going to get the maximum glory out of that situation. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. It is important for us to realize God is already moving in our situation. That the logic, <laughs> the logic and the facts may seem that God is sitting still and, and is dormant, but he's already had a conversation with the Father on your behalf. So no matter what your situation, Jesus is already talking it over with the Father. He's interceding in your behalf. See, I just don't think a lot of us believe that. The Bible says that Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father. And he's making intercession for who? Us. So that means before the bad news ever hits your ears, it's already hit the ears of the Father. Oh, my goodness. Hmm. He's interceding in your behalf. And what is he planning? He's planning the miracle that will bring the maximum glory to his son. Amen? Another reason we're not seeing miracles is too many people are taking credit for what God did. God has a plan and you might not see it because it hasn't all been revealed. It might even defy your human logic and thinking. Guess why? In his time, if we'll remove the roadblocks, and get rid of the stones that are blocking our miracle, 
we'll see God come through. Last point I want to share with you. God invites you and I to participate in his miracles. Verse 43 says, when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Now, just a side note, and I've heard this said many times, if he had just cried out, come forth, every dead person on the planet would have come forth. He had to be specific because he was what? The resurrection. And he had to specify who needed to come forth because if he didn't specify, then we would have had a massive resurrection all over the planet. <laughs> what? Let that sink in. He didn't just say, come forth. He said, Lazarus, come forth. That one's free. Let's move on. 44. The man who had died came out, his hands and his feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. After Lazarus is freed from death, he still needed to be physically freed from the dead clothes, death cloths. In other words, Jesus could have walked up and done this, but he invited the people that were there to participate in the miracle. Why? Because he wanted them to see that the blessings of God are reciprocal. They bless not just the one who had prayed the prayer, not just the one who was coming out of the grave, but it had blessed the entire people that had seen it. And he's saying, I want you to be a participant. God will forgive you of your sins and he will clean your heart. But he also wants us to be willing to seek the help we need to be free from the death cloths. Amen. In other words, if you've got an addiction this morning, God will save you right now. But you may need to seek some help to get the cloths off of you. The strips of the death, death cloth off of your body and off your life. God has a miracle and he wants you to be a participant in it. All of us should be seeking to help unbind those who are bound by, by sin and death. All of us should be seeking to be a participant in the miracles of God. You say, and I don't know how biblical that is. Well, I'm going to end on this verse. Acts 3, 7. This is Peter at the gate beautiful and John at the gate beautiful. And it's talking about Peter. And he took him by the hand, right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. You see, Peter didn't just speak the word into this man's life. He took him by the hand and he lifted him up. God is wanting you and I to be a participant in the miracles that he wants to perform on this earth he needs some people willing to be a part of that. Oh, my goodness. So my question is, what roadblocks are holding you back from your miracle? What have we placed in our path this morning that is holding God back? You say, well, he can't be held back. No, but he won't move till I believe. Oh, my goodness. He won't move till I believe. Let me give you that principle. Let's go back to the woman with the issue of blood, even though, even though she wasn't given a specific command, she still had to believe that if I just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. Blind Bartimaeus was told what? Come. He had to get up, throw off the beggar's cloth, and go. Believing is not seen. 
To see, we must believe. We've got it backwards, church. Well, you, you let God do it. and so that's, That was the attitude of the Pharisees. Show us. I like what Tony Evans says about this subject. He says, there's too many Christian, Christians are from Missouri. You know, it's the show me state. <laughs> show me first. And when you show me, then I'll believe you're who you say you are. My question is this, how many people that need a miracle today will say, you know what? I may not see it, but I'm going to believe it. I'm going to believe my God can do anything. I'm going to believe my God can do the impossible. I'm going to believe my God can heal. My God can restore. My God can reconcile. My God can do anything that needs to be done. I am going to believe my God can do the impossible. If that is you and you need a miracle, I'm asking for those who say, you know what? I don't see it, but by faith I'm going to believe it. And if that's you, I want you to make your way to this altar this morning and say, it's not because I see. Matter of fact, I don't see it, but I'm going to believe. I'm going to believe. Will you come? Come on. You need a miracle. You've got to remove the stones. You've got to remove the roadblocks. You've got to remove those things that are holding you back from a move of God. <clears throat> a move of God. Come on, church. You need a stone to move. You may need to get some help. You may need to get some help this morning and say, you know what? Help me move the stone. Help me move what's blocking the miracle of God in my life and my family. Come on, there's some others. You need a miracle today. You're needing a move of God today. You're needing the Spirit to, to do something miraculous in your family, in your life. Maybe you're here and it's you that needs the touch. And, and God has said, you know what? If you will obey this visible command, I'll do the hidden things that you don't see. Some of us, we're holding back. We're holding back. God's ready to move. We would like to thank you for joining us for our weekly podcast. We pray that you receive something from the Lord today. Please share your prayer requests and testimonies with us by emailing us at tryonhwc at gmail.com. If you would like more information concerning Harvest Worship Center, you can visit our website at tryonhwc.com. We would love for you to visit us in person sometime. Our services are held at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Children's worship is during our 11 a.m. service. If you would like to give to the ministries of Harvest Worship Center, you can also do this by clicking the Giving tab online. Once again, we would like to thank you for joining us today, and we pray you have a blessed week.